Uh, hello, I want to welcome everyone to the Patriot uh, Preacher po- uh, Podcast. And this morning we're talking about uh, veteran suicide and uh, suicide awareness in general. And I have with me this morning uh, Rob Music, the chaplain from UPike. Uh, Rob, do you care to tell them a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I, I've been in eastern Kentucky for about 11 years now, came as a hospice chaplain, but been in the university almost 10 years. Um, married, got four kids. And uh, this is a topic that's really important and close to my heart. So I'm so excited. I can't tell you how excited I am to be a part of the podcast. Yeah, Rob, you know um, my personal experience with some of the effects of suicide and what it does to the family. And so when I actually thought about doing this podcast, uh, you were the first person actually that I thought about uh, inviting but, uh, simply because of the nature of the, of the topic. Uh, I'm sure you've had a lot of opportunity to counsel people that have thought about or contemplated suicide, and uh, of course my family members uh, over the last couple of years, the, the funerals that I preached uh, of suspected suicides, and I say suspected suicide simply because it, because of the damage that when someone lose, loses a loved one, there's always the thought of, well, did he really or did she really commit suicide? And the family, this is one of the one of the devastating effects of suicide is the family is left and they're not really, uh, they're not really knowing for sure, and so they're left with the rest of their lives questioning, uh, questioning these things. Am I correct in that? You're absolutely right. I mean, the mystery surrounding because it's against our nature. I know um, I had a very personal, close loved one of mine who committed suicide, and even though I know that I know that I read the note, you still wonder. Yeah. You start looking back and you say, oh, like, what about this? Could have this been that, you know, because we just want everything about us to say that didn't happen. Yeah, that's that's exactly how you feel. I mean, something like this happens and the police get involved and they do their investigation and the family members are, are always left with, did he really or did she really commit suicide? Because they know the consequences, biblically I'm speaking, mm-hmm. They know the consequences of suicide, and so they know uh, really what sin is, and and it'd be incorrect, I think, to call it anything other than a sin, than a selfish act, but at the same time, I'm not trying to disparage people who have contemplated this because the pressures get to people. I I mean, I've actually been in that situation myself, and so my, uh, just to give you a little bit about my background, I was in the Army for 15 years. I was faced with uh, a tremendous amount of pressure uh, going overseas as much as I did. And when I came back, I contemplated suicide. There's really no other way to say it. I can't say, well, uh, what about this or what about that? The thought entered my mind of taking my own life because of the depressive state. And so I know and I sympathize with that. But uh, at the same time, I also realize, Rob, that it uh, it is a devastating thing. And so uh, this is why I think, uh, Rob, that you and I agreed to do this um, Suicide Awareness Podcast because we both feel that, that it is very needful uh, for, this, for this topic to be discussed. Yeah, I would agree. I, I think it's so pivotal because right now, especially as people feel on all different sides, just a lot of cultural pressure. There's just so much bubbling up on the surface, and oftentimes that can lead to questions of identity or existence. And, and then, you know, 
self-hate or whatever it is that's going on can push us to the brink of feeling like nothing can turn around. Yeah, I can see that. You, I mean, you turn on the news and, well, you look at everything that's going on uh, politically, socially. You've got uh, both sides of the political aisle. Just It seems like they're at war with each other, mm-hmm. right? And then you have, well, what's going on with the groups and the protests and everything and people... And then that's not even mentioning the uh, COVID-19 lockdown. And so I was talking to uh, an elder friend of mine of the church, and he was saying things like, well, and I know two people that, well, let me see, two people that are over major parts of the hospital. And they were talking about uh, different things uh, that people deal with as far as going through the COVID-19. And, uh, one of the biggest problems that they face is loneliness. And so they say that people will get sick and won't even go to the hospital and they end up staying home and and whatever the case may be, they don't want to get affected with COVID. So they stay home and they end up suffering or even dying with the ailments that they have. And of course the loneliness part of it, uh, people are alone, not in contact as they used to be. And so so, Rob, all these things are, are factoring in right now uh, to to depression and anxiety and things. Yeah, I mean, I think that what you hit on is so important. When you think about your own journey, right? When, you, when you're when you going through life transitions and you really feel completely alone, maybe distance from your family, because I think about some young people who, you know, die by suicide – oftentimes it's a loss of support, right? Just a loss of feeling that anyone loves me. And what I hear from so many people is no one would really care if I, if I died. Yeah, that happens a lot. And so uh, life changes is a big one. Let me pull up some stats here. If I can, uh, if I can get those uh, pulled up, but I was looking at just to touch on what you said uh, I got a bunch of sources. I sent you some of the sources, but the uh, Harvard Review on Suicide is a good source. I uh, got info on suicide here, and really that a lot of it boils down to what you just said, uh, life changes. Um, I know I don't know exactly what happened to my cousin, but I think a lot of that could have been some of the life changes that he was going to, uh, relationships. When when relationships are severed, when relationships are strained at a time like this, uh, this could put pressures on a person that they didn't really, haven't really experienced before and don't know really how to deal with it. Uh, Would you agree with that? 100%. And turns out, you know, suicideology is a whole field of study now, which just shows you like how, how prevalent it is in the United States. But also, you know, the highest rate of suicide are in white men above 70 who live out west and that seems like such a niche market but it's people who are struggling with now their maybe failing health which leads to inabilities to work which leads to inabilities of purpose so so often i think that when people are struggling it's either a loss of connection or a loss of purpose yeah i think that's why you just uh, touched really started getting into the uh, veterans the reason why veterans, so many veterans, uh, 22 veterans a day mm-hmm. uh, commit suicide. Uh, folks over 70, uh, after they retire, uh, attempt to commit suicide. And so uh, the demographic really is is very broad. And so I think you touched very well on uh, 
purpose, and of course, the feeling of loneliness. I want to read you some stats here uh, from the Harvard Review. Uh, just talking about the homeless, uh, just kind of focusing this in on the homeless because there's so many different uh, different demographics of homeless. 17 uh, per 10,000 homeless uh, suicide rate is nine times higher than those uh, who have homes. And then you have um, those who experience homeless the mo- homelessness the most. And so the reason why I'm focusing on homelessness uh, on this particular part here is because that equates to the highest rate of suicide. And so within the within the homeless community, twelve nine times higher than the re, you know than regular Americans, uh, you have the transitional age youth, eighteen to twenty four, and then you have the LGBTQ individuals, and of course the ethnic minorities. And so, uh, according to the Harvard Review, these individuals or these people are the ones that are elevated risk why because everywhere they turn they're in the minority they feel alone so what is their purpose and so that's uh, something that shocked me i mean if you think about it of course the sexual minorities eight times more likely to attempt suicide the latino and african americans uh, elevated risk and so uh, it really just you know you pointed out the white male over 70 it when you think about suicide, there really is no no bounds, I guess you could say. Everybody is at risk, and so a lot of it has to do with, uh, a lot of it has to do with, I guess, personal lifestyle. And, and what I've seen the most, and maybe you could talk about this a little bit, uh, but what I've seen the most is those who are going to commit suicide, you really don't know that they're going to commit suicide. Those who are seeking help will, will give some kind of signs and symptoms. Is that accurate to say? I think it's brilliant what you say. So I, I call it the Robin Williams phenomenon. So often we can be blinded by people who are deeply serious about it. And, and often you know, mental health counselors will tell us people who are at the highest risk are those who have been really struggling, but then sense a newfound, a little bit of energy because typically people won't, won't die by suicide or commit suicide when they're the, the deepest moment. It's when they're starting to come out. They have a, just enough energy for self-harm, which to me is just you know, astounding. But I think for me, what has really been taken by a lot of people who've shared their own struggles has been the sense of shame, Mm -hmm. you know, not guilt. That's a little different, but like this, a sense of like everything about me is wrong. Yeah, that's, uh, that's sad. I mean, it's amazing that you say that when I think about my cousin Cameron, whose funeral I preached as well. Um, I never really got to know Cameron. And so I didn't really know his life situation. I knew his mother very well, uh, Selena. And the reason why I'm bringing him up is because his dad was in jail. Uh, over and over again, his his grandmother, Lil, who is my aunt, told me uh, that he was concerned about his parents. He never had his parents around, whereas my cousin Jake always had his mom around, uh, lived with his mom, uh, was uh, had different relationships. And so two completely different walks in the same family, but still, you know, the same results. If they committed, I don't want to say they committed suicide because the family may listen to this and say, well, you don't know if he committed suicide or not, which is one of the effects that, you know, that people have that that they're left with. And so uh, that's one of the sad things about it. And so when I look across the, epidemiology or the the suicide study as you pointed out 105 americans die uh, 
per day of suicide, 105 Americans a day. That's stunning. Yeah, and then you have suicide rates that have increased since the year 2000. And so between 2000 and 2015, 28% increase increase in suicide rate. And so now we're at the point where one person every 12.3 minutes a day commits suicide. And so uh, if you th- if you take that and you compound uh, of course what we just mentioned the political effects, the the virus effects, I, I can't even, and I'm sure a sample size has not been large enough to take, but I, I, mean, I just get the feeling with everything going on uh, that, it, that it has increased over the last several months. And so, uh, once, which once again shows the need for something like this. Uh, what are some other risk factors that you would think uh, are attributing to this, this epidemic of because if you read the stats, suicide is the uh, is in the top ten causes of death in America, and so when I think about that, well, I got risk factors: uh, substance abuse, depression, bipolar disorder, PTSD, eating disorder, and so when I think about veterans, because that's who I, you know, that was the driving force behind me doing this podcast was thinking about veterans who have served their country, gone to combat survived combat only to come home and uh, to drink themselves to death, uh, to take a gun and and end their life. And so uh, I think about those types of people as well, Rob, and it never is is good news when that happens. Yeah, I think what you're talking about is just this level of uh, toxic shame that people feel or moral injury. I know a lot of times vets talk about moral injury, uh, but I think the other thing is that people may struggle with kind of a radical failure or when life disappoints them. I, I've, I've encountered a lot of people who maybe have, have done something um, or something's happened in their life. They just never could imagine that this would happen. And so they have no framework to, let's just say I'm a high achieving person and then I go out and do something horrific. Like I get a DUI or I, you know, do something wrong. And it, and I have no framework or how to put my life back together afterwards. Therefore the, the answer is, well, then I've just got to end it because I've brought such shame or such, you know, whatever on my family or myself. Yeah. And so I think about, in the context of what you just said, veterans. A lot of veterans, when they get out, they go through, well, when I was in, it was called ACAP. And ACAP really is, you're supposed to get a 90-day period that prepares you for civilian life, a life outside the military, because you become so institutionalized in the military, that's the only way that you know. Well, you get out, now you're dealing with civilians, now you're dealing with people that, that think very differently than military people think, and so they, they put them through this program called ACAP, and then they s- send them out, and, and then what? They're, now they're, they're completely changed. And it goes back to what you were saying earlier about, uh, I guess it's purpose. A lot of veterans lose their purpose, especially veterans that, don't ha- that come out of the Army with no skill set. Um, when I say skill set, I just mean marketable skill set, something that... A big, maybe a big tech company or something uh, that pays money that would a skill set that they would be interested in hiring. They don't have that, and so they it's almost like they have to start from scratch, go back to college, and learn a whole new thing. And that and 
that really devastates a lot of a lot of veterans, and so a lot of them uh, they don't want to go through that. And so the veteran suicide rate, as I've mentioned before, twenty two veterans a day that are added into uh, are a part of that one hundred and five vet, uh, American a day count. And then of course you have the demographics, as I said, uh, things that lead to depression. Uh, you have the the high rate of the LGBTQ individuals, the transitional age youth. And so I keep bringing up the transitional age youth because 18 to 24, that is the transition. That is when they're going out and going to college and or they're being kicked out or they're being forced by society to be on their own. And they become, uh, they become independent or they become a casualty. And so that's really what's going on with them. And then you have the course, the ethnic minorities in this country, the Latinos and the African-American count, they're all at high risk. And so um, when I think about that, and I'll get into biblical aspects of it later, but uh, we talked about the risk factors, the substance abuse, the depression, uh, but what about family dysfunction? Uh, One thing I always look for, you know, things that people say, but also... How is their family life? And so you look at the divorce rate in America, that contributes to it, and all these other contributing factors. Let me see if I can pull up these other. Okay, so here are some of the things that people say when they are contemplating suicide or what I like to think of reaching out for help. Uh, They'll say things like, well, things will never get better. There are no solutions to my problem. I will never be happy again. I will never... Get over what happened. A lot of times it's a tragic event, a tragic, maybe a loss of a family member, a loved one. Uh, There's no point in trying anymore. I just want to give up. And so really words that are indicators that, that, that makes a person think that a person is filled with hopelessness. Yeah, I would agree 100% with that sense of hopelessness and um, the idea that people maybe don't have a a tool bank of resiliency where they can sense that they, that they can actually, you know, uh, do something different. And I, but the, the one line that really stood out to me that you read is sometimes emotional, mental exhaustion. Mm-hmm. I just, I've worked so hard. I, you know, I think of about a pastor, um, Rick Warren, you know, he's a really big pastor in um, California and his son, Matthew, who's chronically mentally ill his whole life. And, you know, they didn't lack for money or resources. I mean, they just flew Matthew everywhere around the world. And uh, ultimately, Matthew, I think 25, 26 years old, killed himself. And it was just a, just a real fatigue of life. You know, he was just exhausted. Yeah, that's, uh, and it's really, it really is a hard thing to swallow uh, to see your children do that. And so mental illness is a factor, uh, poor health personal difficulty, and so all these factors play in to accumulate to this epidemic that we have, suicide, which is in the top 10 causes of death in America. And so uh, I wanted to, with this podcast today, I just kind of wanted to introduce people to that. And so we want people to know that it doesn't take a a PhD or, or anything like that to intervene because there are people out there that need help that know where to get it. They'll go to the psychiatrists and psychologists or the counselors or the chaplains, which is good. There are people out there right now who don't know where to go, who don't know 
uh, where to turn or don't know what to do to deal with their emotional anxiety. And one thing that I learned uh, attending college at UPIC was talking to some of those younger kids that were struggling with their classes, struggling with their grades. Those can be triggers for, um, for suicide. And so uh, one of the reasons for this podcast is to let everyone know that it doesn't necessarily take uh, one of those types of people to help someone. It just takes someone that is willing to listen and willing to uh, really coach someone down from from having those feelings at that particular time. And so when it really takes, and there's so many other factors, think about bullying in schools uh, that, you know, over the past couple of years we've seen on uh, Facebook, people get bullied into committing suicide, kids. And so really it does require a change of heart. It requires reaching out to people and loving people. And so, uh, Rob, have you, have you had a chance to talk to anyone like that? At UPIC? Yeah, absolutely. And and one of the things that you talked about I think is so important is the idea of reaching out. And this is where it's so awkward because we've been trained to not really talk about the situations that are uncomfortable, right? Don't talk about religion, politics, et cetera, right, in good company. But and, – and we have a myth. The myth is let's say if you're struggling or I'm struggling and you say, hey, Rob, are you thinking about harming yourself or are you thinking about killing yourself? And the myth is that somehow you've just planted that seed in my mind. And I'm like, oh, wow, I'd never thought about it. But now that you said it, I'm going to go out and kill myself. Well, it turns out, no. In my experience with, with not only young people, but hospice patients, etc., anytime I've ever asked that question, here's the response I get. I either get no or, oh my goodness, yes. And then we begin to talk about it. I have never, I mean, 20 years of being in this type of work, I've never had a person, you know, slam something down, storm out and say, how dare you think I would think that? Because it's such a human experience. Yeah, it is. It's a human experience. And if anyone that has ever suffered from PTSD or does suffer from PTSD or has gone through life changes, tremendous, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Tremendous uh, Huge life changes, I guess, would be a, a good word. Anyone that, that has done that, they know that suicide is all can be, you know, can creep into someone's mind, and it should not be something that people are afraid to talk about. And, and if you're fit, if you're having, if you're listening to this, and you're having some of those thoughts, uh, we put our numbers up on the screen. You can reach out to us. We don't mind. We can talk. Uh, I'm knowledgeable in the Bible. Chaplain Rob's knowledgeable in the Bible. We know the scriptures to use to help someone. Uh, we can actually not even talk about that. We can talk about anything you want, something, anything that would get your mind off that. And this is the whole reason why we do this. Uh, I want people to know that uh, Chaplain Rob and I, we don't agree on everything biblically. We don't agree on everything politically which in this day and time could be a, a huge, you know, a huge problem with people, right? That's right, yeah. Uh, but here we are. Uh, here we are together because we have one goal in mind, and that is to reach people who are depressed, reach people who uh, are contemplating this idea of suicide and let them know that there is help out there. If you don't feel comfortable talking with us, uh, there is a suicide, and you can even go on Facebook and find these. But the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline number is 800-273, I'll start all over, 
273-8255, which is 1-800-273-TALK, because a lot of times this is what people, this this will help people, just talking about their problems, going, knowing that there's someone listening, knowing that there's someone that cares, especially right now during the COVID-19 virus when people are feeling most lonely, most depressed, not really knowing what's going to happen, uncertainty of the outcome of everything. And so we just want you to know that there are people out here that you can turn to and you can talk to that will listen without judgment and with the most love in, in their heart. And I know Rob Music is like that, and I know I'm like that as well. But you can go on Facebook. You can see Suicide Prevention and Support, Suicide Prevention Support, uh, all these different groups because people are now starting to wake up to this idea that, okay, maybe our youth is in trouble. Maybe people are in trouble. Maybe they need help. Uh, R- Rob, do you have anything to add to that? You've just, I uh, thank you for putting out the social media and the, and the number, the cell, the, the 1-800 number. Uh, the main thing is one of the lies that happens in our brain is when we're really struggling, uh, it, it kind of reminds me of somebody in the Bible who said, I'm the only one, right? The, the, the lie is that somehow we're alone. And it just today, this podcast is a, a declaration, a bold declaration to say, you're not alone. Uh, please reach out and, and know that you are, are loved in the midst of your struggle, in the midst of your upheaval. You are not alone, and there are people out there who want to, not out of obligation, but out of deep commitment, want to partner with you. Amen. That's right. And so, Rob, we're going to wrap up this first episode, and uh, we'll touch back on this again later. And so I appreciate you stopping by and coming in and uh, and doing this with me. Uh, like I said, like I told you off off camera, when I first thought about this podcast, you were the first person that I thought of to call, and I appreciate you coming. I appreciate you modeling compassion um, and a heart for people through this work. Amen. And so we'll go ahead and stop right there, and thank you guys. If you're watching, uh, don't forget to rate us and, and so more people can see this. The more positive rates that we get for this podcast the more people can actually reach it. And remember, you don't need to be a professional to help somebody. You just got to have compassion and love for other people. Thank you guys for tuning in and make sure you let other people know. Thank you.